What's up, everybody? I hope you guys are having a great day. Hope you guys all had a great 4th of July weekend. Um, I know I did. I uh, I had something I kind of wanted to share before we get going here. Um, it has to do with the 4th of July. Um, so this past weekend, I went down to Phoenix to pick my girlfriend up. She graduated from her, her teaching. Uh, she's getting her Montessori uh, teaching degree. So I went down there, picked her up, uh, and we were driving through, you know, northern Arizona and northern New Mexico and southern Colorado, basically all all day on Fourth of July. And um, you know, there's so much public land. And I was thinking, you know, you, you look on Instagram and uh, people on both sides of the aisle. There's, uh, you know, there's almost a sense of. Some people don't want to f- celebrate Fourth of July, right? They're they're not proud of where the country is right now for one reason or another. And um, but I, as I was driving through this public land, and there's a specific pass that I was going over that is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, that is all public land for miles on on either side of this specific pass, and it was just green and lush. And I was thinking how awesome it is to live in the United States and how great of a thing it was that we made this a thing in in this country that um, you know essentially every single American citizen and you know there's there's similar things in Canada and other places around the world but specifically to America I think that we um, we really killed it with our public land access and every single one of us is a uh, partial owner in this 640 million acre public land ranch uh, that we all can basically go to whenever we want. Um, national parks, state parks, all that good stuff. It's it's there for us. And, um, you know, you don't have to celebrate other things, but I think that we should all celebrate and appreciate that um, because those of, of us who were born in countries like America that have this access to public land and, and that make it so that you can go out and backpack and hike and, and hunt and fish and do all the stuff that we love to do uh, with really no restriction. Um, it's just such an awesome thing. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one here, but it, it's made me who I am. So, um, you know, it's really worth celebrating. And I just wanted to share that because I know that I'm sure all you guys feel the same way and appreciate that uh, the same as I do. So, just, uh, just keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, off the soapbox, uh, we're coming up on our 100th episode of the podcast here, and we're going to be doing a call-in uh, special to where you know you you send in a question, and then we're going to call you, record that question over the phone call, and then we're going to play it back live on the podcast. So, y'all send in your questions to Instagram or podcast at seekoutside.com um, and we'll we'll give you a shout. Just make sure you leave your phone number number, and uh, we'll be reaching out to you before the 100th episode coming up here. So uh, look forward to hearing from you guys and um, enjoy this episode with Chris Chain. Uh, he uh, has a website, Season Report, and it's really awesome. It kind of breaks down you know some of the regulations and season dates and stuff of other um other you know for out-of-state hunters so um as well as you know he's a he's a teacher and we talked about some other stuff so hopefully you guys enjoy this episode but uh and hope you had a great fourth of july 
Gotta love those public lands. All right, enjoy. Welcome to the Seek Outside Podcast. And then you should, you think that's bad? See Ryan on the phone in the office. <laughs> Your Western hunters would be kind of shocked at the kind of the dense depth that you can reach out in the Appalachians. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It, it gets wild. I mean, you you can same thing like out here. You can drive on a road and you know not see a town for 50, 60 miles. Some parts in that remote area of Appalachia there. Um, but yeah. So so we got Chris Chain um, on the podcast today. Um, Chris, why don't you give us a, a background of what you do? Uh, you kind of already gave us the, the background of where you're from, but give us, so you started the, the website, my season report. Why don't you just start there and kind of give us, give us your whole life story, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, five minutes. No, 10 minutes um, yep. so I, you know, going way back, I, I grew up in Colorado, fell in love with nature out there moved to the south and then just kind of got away with it because there was no real public land access and you had to lease up to get in anything. And so bounced around a little bit, moved to Virginia, fell in love with the mountains and got back into hunting uh, full steam. And that came at the same time where I was noticing I was having to look up all these regulations. And I think it was kind of a, a byproduct of coming into hunting as an adult. And I just realized, why am I you know, even in a small, relatively small state like Virginia, I have all these different regulations to keep track of between two counties that I regularly go to. And it just, just like everybody, I had a notebook and the notebook failed or got wet. And then, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digitize this so I can pull it up on my phone. That got drowned in your inbox and all that stuff. And, um, and then it kind of uh, I was I was setting out to plan my hunting year at the same time that I was working on a coding project for my classroom because I'm a, a classroom teacher, and uh, it it just dawned on me that some of the code that I was developing for that project lent itself pretty well for what I was I needed to accomplish here, and so one thing led to another, and I created a very crude coding platform to show you all the available uh, season dates limits. Uh, you know, both daily and year limit for different species across the state of Virginia, county specific. And so I started by making myself one and then one for a friend. And that's where the name season report came, came from. I just kind of, it started as a report for everything about a given piece of land. And every person that I showed it to just kind of remarked along the same line of like, holy crap, how is this not a thing already? you should continue this. And so then I made it for some friends in Tennessee, Louisiana, and again, just kept getting that same response. And then it really quickly grew. And I, I took a first pass across the country uh, last year. And so at this point, the lower 48 are, are pretty uh, specific. I'd say around 40 states, you can drop down into a specific county or game management zone. And you can learn everything that is in season by method of take, limit, uh, start and end dates, when different seasons overlap, stuff like that. So, so that's kind of more, that must be more of an Eastern thing. Um, 
like the county specific game laws because out, out here it's i mean here in colorado i mean there's a few restrictions based on not necessarily counties but you know there'll yep. be like you can hunt so and so east of i-70 or um or or i'm sorry north of i-70 or south of i-70 or east or west mm-hmm. of i-25 but there's not really county restrictions is that is that something that you've encounter a lot out east there is like oh, restrictions based on county absolutely i'd say huh. it is county based from maine to i i'd say pretty much uh the mississippi for sure and then there are larger re- as you go west from the mississippi it seems like there are larger regions sometimes they're multi-county sometimes they cut across county lines uh like highway like you were saying uh but yeah it out west, it just gets grander and more broad, and out east, as those populations are so much higher, and there's so much more density, both in game animals and people, everything is just uh, regulated much more tighter. I could see how that that is such a useful tool, and you know, I, I kind of you gave me a, a code to get on the website a while ago, and as of right now, I'm not doing a ton of out of state hunting, um, but I was just taking a look, and man, it it really is wild how many different like little just nitpicky things that you have to really pay attention to especially if you're especially if you're out east like that because uh, i would assume you know you obviously got these different regulations by county um but i've also encountered a lot of a lot of the folks that hunt out east just because the states are so small they're hunting multiple different states in Mm. you know in a season so so ex- explain, like, where did you start? Because that's such a large database to, to kind of yeah. get down into one. Where, where was the starting place? Yeah, Virginia was the, uh, the starting place for myself personally. This was all just or I, to... Oh, go ahead. I guess I, sh- I should say, like, like um, did you just start with, like, season dates? Or did, you, or did you dive into the whole thing and just tackle it all at once? Uh, so really early on, I realized that there was a power to this approach and I integrated some more in depth. So I'd say over the fall of 2020, when I was really playing around with this as a, as a concept, I was constantly has having friends test it and give their two cents and even strangers. I'd I'd go up to, to random people in field and stream and just say, Hey, can I borrow five minutes of your time? And, uh, I was really able to hone in on, on kind of the things that I knew I needed as a hunter that I look up all the time, but then also things that I might not be uh, privy to or something that a lot of other people do that I don't. And so from this, from the first, uh, early on, it was method of take and season dates. And then I integrated uh, limits and stuff from there. And then as I added more states, I realized that it became pretty powerful, like you said, for those people who hunt in multiple states. And so I have a feature on there where you can search the entire country. You can input method of take, what species you want, a date range, and it'll tell you everything across the country, county or management zone specific, uh, if it fulfills the, that search criteria. I, I saw that and I, I saw that that was probably one of the most useful tools on there just because, you know, so many people are like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to do a muzzleloader whitetail hunt out in Ohio or whatever. Um, so in, in doing this research, I would assume that you probably have a very acute knowledge of of what a lot of these fish and game departments are are kind of creating with the reg, rules and regs and stuff like that. 
Uh, is there anything that you found um, that could be a lot easier and that could maybe be combined? Uh, I guess I should say like a law that's, you know, specific in one state and it's a little bit different in another state, but it just like doesn't make sense at all that that could maybe be. I know that's a, a, a weird no, that's question, a, but no, that's an interesting question. Um, I'd say personally, if uh, I, I started with bow firearm and um, and that was it for the longest time. Because uh, I focused on big game first, and then I I got deep in. I probably had about 20 states in there, and then all of a sudden I started encountering all these. Uh, not all these, but states have a bow or a crossbow season, or they mm. are the same thing, but term uh, their terminology is only crossbow or, or something like that, where I think if to answer your question, if we could just all fall in line around bow or crossbow is that all the one season or I understand that the, that they have to sell tags in in different ways to entice and in, increase participation and, and yeah. deal with increased populations so don't get me wrong I like I like it but I I think that's one of the more confusing areas that bow hunters encounter constantly it's like does my bow count as a crossbow or like can I shoot my bow during crossbow season that's yeah. always a little bit weird because out here it's like I think you can shoot a crossbow during muzzleloader season and there's like specific like certain people can shoot a crossbow during bow season but it's not yeah. everybody so it's it's super super weird and confusing but um, at the same time it's been a fun challenge to tackle <laughs> yeah oh I'm sure man I'm sure like I'm sure if anybody has any you know what you, you should probably just do you uh do you like take phone calls from people Be, like like if they're just like man i cannot understand these regs or these rules and regs <laughs> in this state do, like can somebody just call you up and be like chris lay it down to me what is the deal here you know i have not thought of adding that feature but i will say if you want to dm me on uh on instagram at my season report or something like that i'd be happy to walk you through everything i can yeah what uh, what uh, what which states were the hardest to kind of put everything into onto the internet? I would say definitely the Western uh, Alaska. Really? Alaska was well because I, oh. I started with a, an Eastern perspective, right, where everything mm -hmm. was very county, and there were a few different ways to approach it, and so I was learning the best way to form this database as I was going, and um, and just with the kind of what the reality of the different demarcation lines were. And so I'd say as I got out west where you have these interesting game management zones that cross different boundaries, different uh, counties, it just became pretty obvious that, you know, allowing somebody to quickly sort through by county would just be inefficient. And so for western approaches, a lot of this stuff is governed by game management zone. And so just switching and, and pivoting to that for the western state uh, I think is probably an, a much easier way to handle it. And then people can go Virginia and the dropdown automatically populates with all the counties or you go over to Montana and it tells you all the game management zones. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Alaska is, is a beast. I could imagine that that probably took the most, most time. I mean, you... last year was very general this year. That's my goal to tackle that thing and create something that can, uh, can withstand the years. It's so weird, man, because they, they got, you know, especially now with, with some of the more um, 
rules and regulations based kind of on like um uh substance hunters you know like like certain units you can only hunt in certain dates if you're a substance hunter uh and if you're just a, a regular hunter that wants to go up and shoot a caribou you can't hunt in this unit or that unit so it's 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 weird and then not to mention just all the all the specific game laws based on you know like i know for me because we went up to alaska this past year on a caribou hunt and um we were hunting on the boundary of a unit and in one unit you had to um you had to take everything like the meat had to be on the bone uh when you when you got something down you had to take the bones and everything every piece of rib meat but in the next unit we were literally camped probably 500 yards from the the unit boundary but the other unit you could you could debone stuff and so it made pack outs a lot easier so it was it was just like it was like man i feel like there's got to be a logical way that you can go about this right like there's there's a goal that you're trying to accomplish and i don't understand why 500 yards to the left or to the west it's different right it's the same caribou herd it's the same animals but it's a different law so i don't don't know it that's been one thing that's always it's always been so confusing to everybody is just you know game laws and it's it's tough because you you really have to know your stuff to you know go out and do it legally well, I think that gives me the perfect opportunity to explain, you know, this is uh, a very large database and I focus on dates and I think of this as a planner because it's it's kind of one of those things where when you're packing out or you're getting that question, oh, what, what dates are going to be out of town or are you sure I think it falls on this date or something like that, you can save all your different pursuits to your personalized dashboard and so when you log in, you're brought instantly there and the stuff you care about is front and center and you can click on it, and there's one click away for a link directly to the regulation. So if you want to go deeper, it's the booklet's right there. Okay. Oh, yeah. so I, I must have misunderstood. I, th- I thought you had. Uh, I, I guess there's not really a way to do that, but I was kind of under the understanding that you had. Well, I guess yeah, you have the links in there, so it, it kind of yeah. leads you to the to the regs and stuff like that. Um, well, that kind oh, yeah. of gets at where I had to make some some choices. There, there were a million different things I, I could add, right? But then at a certain point, I almost felt like I was, and this is early in the process, I felt like I was uh, recreating the mess that I was trying to simplify uh, yeah. just in, a, in my own website. And like, wait, and the, the goal of this is to deliver just that information that you care about while you're thinking about it and you're trying to enter it into Google and search through pages. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of want to switch gears because I've seen on your, your Instagram recently, um, you've kind of been doing some more foraging um, and, you know, making some recipes out of, I saw your, your rhubarb uh, lem- lemonade. Oh, yeah. Uh, haven't made it yet, but I did, I actually did go to the city market here and I got a bunch of rhubarb and I think oh. I'm trying to make that one of these days. You're going to uh, love it. Yeah, it looked just so delicious. It's super um, simple. Yeah, yeah. But are you are you trying to um, are you trying to implement some more foraging type uh, aspects to your website there? 
Absolutely. Uh, so in the fall, I was at the hunting cabin with a buddy, and we were fortunate enough to find some chicken of the woods mushrooms. And as we were sitting there eating this awesome meal, uh, looking at the mountains, and we were eating some tenderloin from a deer that came like 200 yards in that direction, and then we had it paired with some chicken of the woods mushrooms that came 300 yards in that direction. It just was such a, an amazing meal. I'm like, what? of course this needs to be added. And so I spent the winter, kind of the off season in terms of dates for hunting. I spent all that time uh, creating a foraging and gardening database for the country as well. So this year, uh, if you are interested in foraging across the country, if you're going on a national park trip or something like that, you can see when huckleberries are in season up in Montana or raspberries over here in Maine. Uh, you can also plan your garden out with it. And so, uh, you know, as it's evolved, it's starting to really make itself known to me. This is really just kind of an almanac for all things personally sourced food. Yeah. And I, I love that because I saw that um, kind of what you're calling it is the, the hunter's almanac, which mm -hmm. I think is very you know, accurate thing based on the, the old farmer's almanac, which mm -hmm. had, you know, as, as much, uh, it, you know, it's not necessarily the most credible thing nowadays because it had a lot of astrology and stuff mixed in there. Yeah, but I, don't I worry, I made sure to put a lot of astrology in this. And yeah, okay. You know, there's okay. burning some sage while you're spinning some circles. <laughs> nice, nice. So obviously vegetables and, and mushrooms and stuff, they, they have specific seasons, right? That they're, that they are, um, that they come into bloom or flower out or whatever. Um, did you encounter any regulations in different States about when you could forage certain, certain items? Certainly. And, um, you know, a lot of that is national park stuff and, yeah. uh, I, I have not necessarily included. So, I, so some species, yes. Some species, no. Uh, for every food opportunity, there are links or tips. And so if I found a regulation, uh, like only limited to five pounds, because I've, I've found that with a lot of Appalachian things, uh, I'll put yeah. that little tip in the link. Or if you have morel mushrooms, you know, like check the inside for being fuzzy or not and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, just minor little tips, but ultimately it's, it's to allow you to kind of you know, in social media, I use the hashtag never miss a season because it's really, this is a tool for you to get out and on your trip in the moment, actually capitalize on what's around you instead of hearing about what you missed from a friend. Oh, you should have gone and got pawpaw or something like that last weekend, but too yeah. late. You're going to have to wait till next year. So it's to, the goal is to deliver as much information as possible without bloating. Yeah, no, that, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, so before before we kind of started recording here, you were you were telling me um, that you were a school teacher, mm -hmm. and I know from personal, you know, my my mom, my dad, my girlfriend, all teachers. Um, it's very time consuming, very mentally draining, and here you are trying to start a, a company um, in a world that is. You know, there's there's always web startups, especially in the hunting world. I feel like, you know, there's all sorts of Airbnbs for hunting coming out. There's, you know, go hunt. There's base map. There's top rut, all that stuff. How how 
how are you doing with <laughs> like like explain how you how you're because researching all these season dates and and um you know foraging information you know rules and regs and stuff like that how are you how are you managing your time and Uh, and still allowing yourself to get out and do awesome stuff yeah uh carefully i'd say um but i think it just helps to know a little coding uh you know when i first i never knew any coding until grad school and my grad school was focused on understanding you know, DNA, how it behaves in skeletal muscle during exercise or disease. And so there were a lot of different things I learned. And one of the things was we uh, did a cross-section of a muscle. It's where you, where you take the whole muscle and you cut a million little slivers. And then each sliver was put on a slide and treated with a whole lot of uh, different uh, fluorescent antibodies that light up if they bind to what they are, are trying to look for. And so mm-hmm. um, we used two different colors. We had a red dot and a green dot. And each one of these slides had hundreds of these dots. And early in, in my grad school career, I was given this project and said, here's a stack of 5,000 photos. Uh, we need you to go through every single one and count the number of times. T- first off, count all red dots, all green dots, and then count the number of times their pixels are adjacent. And I just, I was like, I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to do that. 5,000 images. I mean, that would take literally, it would have been months of work of yeah. just staring at something. And so, oh, yeah. uh, luckily there was a kind of a crash course coding, uh, class and you get brought up to speed really quickly. And then you get some really good one-on-one, uh, guidance to really tackle that problem that you're bringing to the class. And from there, I mean, I just kind of kept that that coding skill up and it, you know, integrate it in my classroom when I can most, mostly for the students, but then also just to keep myself sharp. And then early in that, that, uh, testing phase where I was showing friends and family, I'm like, Oh, actually I know a lot more of the skills that I need to construct this. And so then it just kind of felt kind of harmonious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah everything just kind of lined up. You were, yeah. you were ready. Um, have you, uh, have you gotten not any like pushback, but the fact that there are kind of some other companies out there doing similar things, not, not exactly what you're doing, but have you, uh, have you gotten to the point where you've gotten any pushback or, or competitive, um, emails or anything like that yet? Uh, here and there. Yeah. Uh, there. it's, start, it's starting to get fun. And, yeah. um, you know, I, with that, I just kind of rest on, on who I'm building this for. Um, I'm, you know, I had friends tell me I should be charging a lot of money per month because there are other very niche things that charge a lot of money per month. And I just, I felt that was the wrong approach. And so when it comes to the competition, I really am building a DIY hunter's tool, a DI, you know, anybody who gets out and personally sources their own food, I'm, I'm building it for them. And so that's why I have a, a very affordable price point for $15 a year. You get two weeks for free to try it out to see if it's something that you like. And then I'm always partnering with different conservation groups to offer kickbacks if you use codes. And so, because I, I really, I want, you know, I, my background is uh, public health with science and then classroom teacher. I'm trying to build something that is uh, beneficial, uh, not necessarily a money grab. And so I think when it comes to competition, I'm just, I'm hoping that value uh, shows value. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, man. I mean, you know, 
the I feel like the the hunting world is is big enough right where especially now you know there's definitely been an influx of hunter numbers not necessarily percentage wise but you know just there's more people on the on the earth now so therefore that percentage of hunters is going to grow I, I think there's really enough there's enough room for for everybody especially hunters man like we and outdoors people in general whether you're backpacking fishing anything like that there's there's always room for another tool to use to make your your life easier it, yep. especially when you're trying to plan an out-of-state hunt and in addition to a, a hunt uh, i i'm beginning to really understand the what this could turn into uh, with respect to all these different food sources kind of treated equally. Uh, I'm starting to hear so many people that were not hunters and they were gardeners say like, oh my gosh, you made it easy for me to kind of go in the woods and understand if I need to wear hunter orange because I never knew how mm. to look that up or I never knew. Mm. I didn't want to go look at all this hunting related imagery just to find that out. So thank you. And then I'm, I've heard multiple hunters that are saying, hey, I've never, I've never tried to garden before, but, uh, you know, all that information is laid out so easy. I'm, I'm starting my first garden and they're getting excited about pairing their local protein with their local fruits and vegetables. That's awesome. Cause I mean, there's really nothing better than, you know, if you, if you have something that you it, like the more elements from, at least for me, the more control over your food that you have, the better it just it makes the meal so much better it could you know somebody that didn't know maybe that meal will taste like shit but <laughs> yeah. but uh to you it, it tastes so much better so oh, and it, it just it encourages an outside lifestyle and you're you're gonna go through all that work and you're definitely gonna give it to somebody so you're probably gonna connect with friends and family and you know i think um I've, I've started to partner with different conservation organizations and you know one of the things I'm going to implement going forward is bringing all these different voices that take part in the same wild land, the same public land, the same ecosystem of a local area and really be able to align them and, and tell them you know how the state of the habitat is looking. Is it is it flourishing? Is it starting to look meager? And then just trying to subtly show all this information in different ways and, and let people make the best decisions with the information available. Yeah. What, uh, what conservation groups are you partnering with? Uh, so I got a code with uh, Pope and Young and then uh, Howl for Wildlife as well. And so nice. uh, Pope Young is the code there. I give a $5 kickback to them or Howl for Howl for Wildlife. And uh, I think, you know, what Charles is doing is, with Howl is amazing. And I, I think the, the oh, two yeah. concepts line up very well, kind of getting more of your own food and then kind of realistically protecting your food source. They, yeah, no, that's very true that they do go hand in hand. That that's a, that's a great website to lead people to if, if they want to join uh, my season report. Um, I definitely recommend anybody that's listening, at least follow them on Instagram because they're a great source for, uh, any any bills that come about you know they uh like anti-hunting or public lands or anything like that they always have a, a quick link to sign a petition or you know write a letter to a to a congressman or senator or whatever um i found myself ever since i started following them i've, I've been signing a lot more petitions that's for sure <laughs> yeah and he yeah. makes it so easy yeah, yeah. definitely so um 
so what's what do you what's your favorite thing to do outside like if if you had to if you had to pick one it seems like you're into are you a fisherman i am uh and fishing is slowly being added uh i'm starting with the coastal states just because those seem like the the hardest to tackle versus just a lot of you know pretty much you get four bass uh across most of the the interior states but um yeah, I do fish. I was actually, uh, my wife and I took the boats out, the kayaks out today and had a uh, kind of a, we have a second child on the way. So it was a nice little time to nice. to have a on the water picnic together. Yeah, yeah so. that's awesome. What, uh, what do you find that's so complicated about the coastal states? Is it just the mix of freshwater, saltwater? Is there different regulated seasons and stuff like that for for saltwater versus freshwater? Oh, there's just so many more species. Uh, there's so yeah. many different minutia so yeah. just trying to cha- uh, take off the biggest i can chew and then okay. go from there yeah well what, so what's your what's your favorite thing if you had to pick one thing <sighs> there's no better time <laughs> in the, <laughs> there's no better time of the year and i think it's hard i have not hunted elk out west but it's gonna have to cross a high bar in my opinion to be better than late October, early November, bow hunting out east when all the colors are changing and you're just you're looking through this this rain of orange and red and there is there's something special about that time of year. Uh, I mean everybody talks about it there's a reason why it's it's up there for for everybody. Yeah man, you'll have to you have to get out here on on an elk hunt. Absolutely. That is the plan. Uh, I I think Colorado, uh, Idaho are top of my list. Yeah. So, so where you're from, Colorado? Where were you? Uh, where'd you grow up? So mostly southern uh, Colorado, kind of around Florence, that area. Huh? Where? Florence, where is that? Florence Canyon City. Um, oh, okay. At, what hour okay. west of Pueblo? That area. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, I feel like I can always tell when somebody's like from Colorado or or has lived in Colorado for a while because they like Colorado is such a a four season like if you're an outdoorsman i would i'd be willing to wager that if you're an outdoorsman in colorado you're not just a hunter you're not just a fisherman most people like to backpack you know in the Mm -hmm. summer or or at least camp they like to um you know ski in the winter hunt fish all that you know make sure that you're staying active during all four seasons oh absolutely I could tell just because because you're putting the emphasis on gardening and and uh, you know harvesting food and obviously you're a fisherman too. Uh, you can definitely tell you're from Colorado. <laughs> yeah, you, it's a it's a good litmus test to see if somebody's uh, worth hanging out with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Or definitely a good litmus test to see if they're worth uh, backpacking together. Oh, that that is the more. I am out in the woods, especially, you know, working at Seek Outside, going on trips and stuff with, with people I work with. And I, I love going on trips with all of them. But I, I find myself nowadays kind of measuring people like it, after I meet <laughs> them. And I'm like, could I stay in a two person tent with you for for five days? Nah. Or, or yeah, that's a dude that I could I could spend five days in a tent with. <laughs> and that is a really important decision. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can make or break your trip. That's that is for sure. Oh yeah, my uh, my buddy that we're going out to Colorado to see, uh, he's definitely on the. Uh, we're gonna 
there's no quit in him. And, yeah. uh, and he's smart and he's, uh, you know, he keeps a good attitude. He's a perfect hiking partner. And so I've been talking him into, all right, you don't like to hunt, but you, you're a billy goat. We can, we can find some common ground here. So when I do draw a Western tag, he's going to be coming along just to, to help pack it out. Cause I know there's no quitting him and, uh, we'll just split it down the middle 50, 50, uh, for Got the meet. It. And it's always good to know a couple people like that. Oh yeah. Um, so speaking of backpacking, uh, now, especially out West, uh, there's becoming some more laws and seasons and, um, you know, things to, to know about, like specifically if you want to go to like Maroon Bells out here in Colorado, like it's, it's essentially a permit system or, and, you know, Hanging Lake, some of the more popular places. Do you have any plans on, on diving into that realm? And covering some of those regs? You know, I, I started adding uh, shed antler hunting season uh, okay. just to, to provide that as another means to get outside. But uh, the the backpacking and, and camping stuff, because I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, we're, we were trying to go to Maroon Bells and didn't get the permit because we only thought about it six months in advance versus a year and a half. You know how that goes. Wow. And um, it was might not have been a year and a half, but it was, it was pretty much 10 months, I think, you had to be on the ball. Um, and then there were a lot of places like that. And uh, I don't know if that would – maybe. Maybe in the future, yeah. That's crazy, man. Six months. I didn't – I had no idea had gotten that, that, uh, that long. I mean, I remember I probably went there – I don't know, my senior year of high school, maybe. Um, and there was, you know, no, that was 10 years ago. And there was no no waiting list, nothing like that. I went back two years later. And the first time we went, it was, I think, 4th of July weekend, I want to say. Wow. And um, it was, you know, you could find a parking spot up there. No permits, nothing. We hiked up to the upper lake there. And there was a couple of people, but not not many. Went back probably two years later, um, not even 4th of July weekend. It was, I think it was maybe second week of June or something like that. And you had to park at the lower parking lot. So it yeah. seems like it's just been exponentially getting worse. That's crazy that it's six months. I can't remember if it was six months or it was one of those situations where it opens up on a particular hour of a particular day and mm. it's 15 minutes and you're already too late kind of thing. Can't remember uh, exactly which it was, but it was, it was difficult, and uh, so we didn't get to go. But we are hoping to go to Hanging Lake uh, this okay. year. But, um, nice. So I got to ask: Did you do the four pass? Uh, the the four pass? Oh no no no! At Maroon Bells? Yeah. No no we didn't. We just we hiked up to the just the what is that Blue Lake or something like that? It's uh, just well, the one yeah. right above the the main lake there. Um, it was a while ago, but I do know somebody that did do that back in the day. Um, great. Well, probably used to be great cutthroat fishing, but who oh, knows yeah. now with, with so many people, but no, I, I haven't done that. You should definitely get out there and do that one. That was, uh, really? that's an incredible hike. Uh, it's just beautiful. Each of the, the passes are unique and each of the, each of the little riparian areas are completely unique. It's one of those moments where, like you see, we got to watch this eagle ride the thermals up and just Ooh. caw the whole way. We're both got goosebumps. <laughs> nice. It's an awesome nice. spot. But to getting to your point about, uh, you know, the regulations of that, it, 
it makes for a bad situation when you don't have the truck keys, when there's nobody in the trailhead. And uh, my my buddy, we both learned a good lesson of put the keys in the backpack or put them in a zippered pocket because there is a river crossing about halfway through the forepass. And, you know, do it a million times, don't fall in, almost all of them, but that one time slipped and went in and we didn't discover that we had no keys until, you know, a, a day later and 20 miles. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and that's a, that's a, how long is that whole loop there? I think it was 36 36 that's that's what uh, something in the 30s. Yeah, yeah and uh and we got there as the sun was going down and we had overpacked on food so that was a whole other situation so we were extra tired but we weren't running the risk of of going hungry but oh my gosh are we gonna set up a tent in the parking lot and then try to figure something out but luckily we were able to find some people hitch a ride back in town and then take a, a crazy drive to get a spare key over Independence Pass in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, man. That's not fun. Independence Pass in the middle of the night. No, no. It was, uh, you know, I would never want to do that situation again, but having got through it unscathed, it was a great, great memory. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the thing, man. I mean, I, you know, you, you see so many, especially with, like, backpack backpacking or backpack hunting you know there's you can look at all the youtube videos that you want you can you know take classes or seminars or something like that but there's so many different like nuanced lessons that you learn that i I feel like you can only really learn by going out there and learning the hard way like like something like that exactly yeah, you're never yeah. going to put keys in. Uh, that's one of those things. I've developed an OCD about where the keys go when I go in the backcountry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I typically try to find a rock by my by my truck and stash them there just so that there's no <laughs> no uh, no possible way if a bear runs off of my backpack or something like that, there's there's no way. Maybe I can't do that now if, if somebody's listening and they, they're a stalker. Maybe I'll be, yeah, be out of the truck spot. one of these days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully there's enough rocks where I'm at. Can't, <laughs> yeah. can't, can't nail it down. You're not going to run into that problem uh, out West. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, um, yeah. Did you have any other, any other topics that you wanted to cover off on? Let me, let me take a look at my phone and, and try to remember what some of the, um, some of the things that we wanted to chat about. I mean, we kind of covered hiking, hunting, foraging, yeah, I think we covered a good bit. Yeah, getting getting more people out in the outdoors. Um, I guess one more thing: where, how can people sign up? What's what's the best way to do it? Yeah, visit seasonreport.com, and uh, there's if you follow Instagram or Facebook at my season report, uh, there's always there are always codes that I'm I'm putting up, uh, and those are always tailored to offer kickbacks back to conservation. Nice. So, so you, you, uh, you spend 15 bucks a month and $5 go back to some conservation. Oh no, it's 15 a year. I told you. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, to yeah. This, I'm sorry uh, about that. That's, that's what I meant. 15 yeah. a year. No, it is 15 a year. And you know, it's just something to, as you start to plan your year around, you'll realize it's bringing you a, it's more than paying for itself in groceries. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You Especially get, as get, things get expensive. Yeah, you get one elk or, or one deer or, or 
maybe not a smaller whitetail, but you get an elk, that's uh, that's saving you. Even if you do get it processed, it's probably saving you three, four hundred bucks in in burgers and steaks oh, and all that stuff. Easily, yeah. You know, I've never I've eaten elk uh, out there. Never never taken one myself, but uh, I'm usually more like a, a two to three deer a year person, and I'm really the only meter meat eater in my family. But I can mm. see how uh, if you got a big family, you're going to need to put down a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm stoked that my whole family is is hunters. So if I, if I don't get lucky, somebody else probably has. So yeah, I think the aroma is starting to uh, win over some of my family members. My wife especially. Oh, yeah. She's like, all right, can I? What is that? Backstrap? Can I try that? <laughs> can I can I give it a shot? Especially yeah. if you have some like fresh mushrooms. Oh yeah, mushrooms and and game meat is probably the best combination out there, in oh, my absolutely. opinion. You know, I I gotta say, she draws the line at uh, black bear. She will not really. She won't have any of the bear. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think it's a it's a mental hurdle for a lot of people, just knowing that it's a bear and it's not something that people most of the time eat. I've never, I, I've I've had it a couple times, but I've never I've never gotten one. Um, that's kind of honestly my kind of my main goal for this year and coming up um is is to try to get a black bear just because i've heard so much about how how many cooking options there are with it and you know obviously you get the fat you can make steaks you can make even bear bacon some people do that that's that's my main goal Do, do you guys have do you go in virginia there I do. Yeah. Uh, I got my first bear last year and uh, it's going to be a goal from here on out. It's it's just such a, it replaces beef almost completely. Really? Yeah. It's uh, it's fatty. And so, you know, if you do enough uh, reading of, of history, you come across, uh, I think uh, Teddy wrote about it a few times and a few other people of that era. Uh, Venison was actually a, a pauper's meat. It was a poor person's meat. Uh, because it didn't have enough fat to keep you warm over the winter. And yeah. so black bear was actually kind of the, the high culture meat because it was really? so fatty. Yeah, of, wow. the, of the wild game. And so you find some old recipes and lots of slow cooking. I've never made bacon, but uh, everything I've ever made with the bear is awesome. Delicious. Yeah. Uh, so I guess one more thing here. Um, out west, we've been uh, experiencing a lot of kind of ballot box biology is is kind of like the catchphrase that people call it but you know essentially bear seasons being at, uh, under attack and and um you know like this year in colorado was the they were trying to ban all cat hunting so cougars bobcats um lynx uh, although there's I probably didn't apply to lynx just because there's not many of, him, of them here but have you guys um been I guess under attack like that (laughs) to put it in a I haven't noticed that much. Uh, I think what um, North Carolina might have just added a black bear season or voted to. Uh, No, we don't receive near the pressure that I've seen uh, happening out West, but you know, through Howell, one of the things I found out about is uh, I think New York, you know, every state you can, you can supply a bill to be debated. Right. And if you have the right number of people, It'll get a certain way through the legislature. And so I didn't realize until following Howell just how often it's tried every single year. Just yeah. abs- absurd bills that would never be defendable uh, and instantly struck down. But 
they just have the right mix of, of people talking. And uh, one of the ones New York State put up, I believe, something where you had to get written permission from your neighbor to hunt on your own property where I saw that. Yeah. That's, that's just the most insane thing that I've ever heard. Oh, I, I can't imagine that's going to go forward, but uh, yeah. yeah, that just starts to undo and set weird precedent for private property all across the board. Yeah. Well, and you brought up a good point there. I mean, just with when you follow these organizations like Howl or something, it, you know, every day they're they're posting something. Probably not every day, but every week they're posting a new bill that's up for, um, you know, that's up for voting in whether the House or the Senate or whatever. And it, it kind of, I, I wonder if it's always been like this, and we just now have the have the um, ability to see it, like the like the public has the eyes to see it because of you know, organizations like Howl or even Meteor that, you know, they do a great job of anytime uh, a bad bill comes up, they'll, they'll bring it up. But I wonder if it's like just the fact that you see it more now, or if it's a new thing, because I personally, you know, now I'm like, man, like people really do not like hunting. That that's the impression that you'd get from seeing some of these bills. You know, I, I think um, it's an interesting, it's kind of like, you made, you made me think of CWD, where there's that, that line of thinking where the first recorded evidence was the 50s, right? Yeah. And there's a, an argument line where, has this always been around and we just have the technology to cheaply and effectively measure it? Uh, kind of exactly what you're saying about, like, are these bills always around? And I can just see it now because it's on my feed. Um I think that just kind of comes back toward, you know, I would assume those people are, are well-intentioned, but they probably just haven't taken part in that aspect of the food chain. And yeah. bringing those different voices together and showing the science-based uh, management of all these different populations, I, I think that's, that there's nothing to hide. The, the more you show, the more the argument strengthens hunting. Oh, 100%. Especially if you can... Um proactively promote the the other aspect of like you know foraging for your own vegetables and or gardening right that's such yeah. a beneficial thing um not just for for you and your family and and the actual nutritional contents of your food because you know a lot of the a lot of the vegetables that you get now this a lot of the soil that it is farmed on is just not nutritious. So the nutritional value is just not there. Whereas if you are creating your own, your own garden, you can kind of control that more and, and base it more off of, you know, that than trying to pump out, you know, a, a bunch of corn every year. Right. Um, but it, especially if you can kind of promote that, um, I think people are more open to, to hunting because they see it's like, Oh, you know, that you're, you're just trying to do your part both ecologically because hunting, um, you know, as long as it's sustainably done is much better for the, for the ecosystem than, than factory farming, obviously. Um, but also for the people around you, because a lot of times you're, I'm always giving meat away, you know, it's, it's good. It's really good for everybody. And, but I always find myself at a, at a predicament there because not everybody can, can hunt right otherwise 
like if if all seven billion people on the earth or eight billion hunted we we probably couldn't do it so it's i always find myself at that like mental kind of kind of paradox almost of you know man everybody should do this but not everybody can <laughs> yeah no it's, Otherwise, it's it definitely be sustainable. yeah 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 but uh but, i think the quickest way to show somebody the benefits of hunting is is dinner table diplomacy i mean yeah. uh making some stock for friends and neighbors uh like i do for the holidays opens eyes like oh my gosh you can make your own stock or uh you know making sausage and and having it on the grill to cook out and people are blown away by how good it tastes i think the more people even if you don't want to get out there and do it yourself they respect it and you know I, i think if you are a a hunter that's that is uh turning people off of hunting. I, I think you're just focusing on the wrong aspects of it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you know, there's, there's been plenty of, of reasons why people have been turned off to hunting, but I, I really do have hope in, in kind of the new, you know, folks like yourself and all, a lot of the outdoor companies now that are putting such a premium on conservation and not just, it's not just about the kill. It's about the whole, lifestyle and and just being you know doing it yourself getting get providing food for yourself and and being a a good contribution to to the world around you because that's i mean that's kind of really what it comes down to um just minimizing your impact and so i I guess all that to say i love love what you're doing (laughs) and anything that makes it easier for people to to do that is is a benefit in my eyes so appreciate it yeah and uh maybe we can chat again whenever uh the app is coming out yeah yeah definitely man we'll look forward to it i really enjoyed uh the the conversation and um yeah people go go check out my season report and uh get all that get on that hunter's almanac yep check out seasonreport.com yep Oh, so it's so it's just season report, not my season. It's my season report on Instagram, right? Correct. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So. Season. Sweet. Awesome. Well, Thanks thank you, man. Me on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, and um, have fun in uh, in the Songrays. Maybe we'll. I guess, I guess we're not going to be down there at the exact same time, but um, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll be walking some of the same trails down there. <laughs> yeah, you know the way things work out, we'll probably run into each other. Off the shop. 